Hey, good morning. Good to be with you. And uh, so uh, welcome those who join us online today as well. We're in a series called Unleashing the Church. And because you and I have been given a mission. And uh, the Bible says you were made for a mission. In fact, in Acts 20, verse 24, says the most important thing that I can, is that I complete my mission, the work that the Lord Jesus gave me. What is that mission? Well, it's you and I loving people with the love of Christ, serving others and introducing them to the God who loves them. And if you've been around Brandywine Church very long, you already know our mission here, our mission statement is reaching those who are far from God, just like in our children's video, we shared this, reaching those far from God and leading them to be fully devoted followers of Christ. And so every member, every one of us living on mission, three Sundays ago, I introduced the series that we're in uh, to cast vision and to give uh, a strategy uh, for how we plan to accomplish this mission that God has given us together. And so our mission strategy, here, here it is. Let's say it together in one voice. Ordinary people empowered by God making a difference together wherever you are. So over the past two weeks, we've been breaking down the word for word, phrase for phrase, our strategy there for living on mission. In week one, Pastor Matt, uh, he knocked it out of the park, didn't he? Shared how God delights in using just ordinary people. Aren't you thankful? God just wants to use ordinary people to accomplish that mission. And if you're like most of us, then you're probably sitting there thinking, well, who am I that God would use me? And, and so because we have feelings of inadequacy or feeling unqualified. And yet scripture tells us that if that's you, if you feel weak, if you feel unqualified, limited, ordinary, then you, you're actually the best material through which God can work. How cool is that? I mean, he simply looks for those of us who would say, I'm willing, I'm uh, humbly come, I'm, I'm at your disposal, um, I wanna be faithful and fully surrendered to whatever you have in my life. And it's for anyone who would say, here am I with a blank check. Here am I, I'm ready to be used of you. All right, last Sunday, uh, we focused on that phrase, uh, empowered by God, ordinary people empowered by God. And Pastor Hubert shared how God will provide the fire as long as we'll provide the sacrifice. Uh, that God is faithful to provide his spirit to empower us. The Holy Spirit takes up residence in us so to empower us if we'll give ourselves fully to him without reservation as an offering poured out to be used of him. Well, this morning we're looking at the phrase making a difference and ordinary people empowered by God making a difference. And you know, uh, who doesn't want to make a difference with the life that God has given us, right? I mean, honestly, I don't know anybody who, uh, listening today who would say, you know, I don't want to make a difference in my life, you know? Uh, no one grows up dreaming of just waking up 
and going to work and heading home and watching Netflix and, and scrolling through social media and then doing it all over again the next day until our last breath. You know? I mean, no one wants to be just taking up space and wasting the one and only life that God has given us. You know, you may enjoy binge watching your favorite show or playing Wordle or whatever. That might be fun for, you know, a while, but God certainly has bigger things for you than that, right? You know that. And I don't think uh, you'd even be here today if you didn't want to be a difference maker for God. You know, and uh, that because you want your life to matter. And the good news is, because you have that desire, you want to make this world a better place, you are a Christ follower. The good news is, that's exactly what God wants for you as well. He wants to make a difference with you and your life. And uh, he wants you to be a difference maker. So the big question, of the day is this, how do we go about doing that? How do we do that? And biblically, how do we even measure knowing how to do that? Because the world measures uh, being an influencer a whole lot different than God does, right? I mean, the world measures it by how many important friends I can say that I have or how many followers or likes or comments that I can get on social media or by how much money I can acquire, how, my, how many vacations I can take, how many, how many toys I can acquire, how much power I have or whatever. Most people in the world are completely missing how to measure how a person makes a difference in the world. Kyle Eidemann has a new book out titled One at a Time. I've got it here in my hand. The Unexpected Way God Wants to Use You to Change the World. And I just want to give a little perk here. I highly recommend putting that on your reading list if you're a reader. Uh, you can pick it up today at the bookstore. We bought some of these in bulk. They're regularly 18 bucks. And because we bought them in bulk, we can provide them for you for $10. But this morning, be sure and stop by. Uh, and uh, pick one up if, if you're a reader. But uh, I would like to share some biblical insights that he draws out from scripture in this book uh, today on how to make a difference in our life, all right? And the big idea in the first chapter is this. Um, our model for measuring how to make a difference and what that looks like is found in the person of Jesus Christ. Okay? In fact, today, if you used to Google uh, most impactful people in history, you'll find that Time Magazine has ranked them. All right? And guess who's number one on the list? Jesus Christ. That's right. No surprise to us, right? Uh, and uh, they, they did a survey in 2013. I think you can Google that. But even people who deny Jesus is Lord, they, they still can't deny the tremendous influence that he's had throughout history and the huge impact he's had on people's lives. So, I mean, think about it. You can't even write down today's date without acknowledging that all of history is divided into time leading up to the birth of Christ and the time since. I mean, no doubt about it. 
Jesus is the one who's made the biggest difference in all of history. And he's still doing it. And, uh, but what's so unusual is how he did it. He didn't become a difference maker by following the same formula that the world follows. You know, again, uh, think about it. Jesus was born in a small town to a poor teenage girl. So you've got to understand that he wasn't born in the right family. He wasn't born in the right town. And he didn't have the right education. He didn't have the right credentials. He didn't earn any diplomas. He never received any, uh, any awards. He didn't own any land or property. He didn't have a home. He didn't have the right resume. He didn't have the right connections. He didn't hang out with social influencers or the politically powerful. In fact, he spent most of his life, he spent most of his time with a bunch of people who were outcasts and dropouts. <laughs> you know, ordinary people. <laughs> he was a carpenter until he was 30 years old. And by the time he was 33, at the end of his very, very end of his life, nobody even liked him. I mean, think about it. The religious community despised him. His own people rejected him. His closest friends abandoned him. And he died a humiliating death, uh, crucified naked on a cross between two thieves. And yet, as the poet James Allen Francis writes, and I've got it on the screen for you, 19 centuries have come and gone, and he is the central figure of a human race. And all the armies that have ever marched, and all the navies that have ever sailed, and all the parliaments that have ever uh, sat, and all the kings that have ever reigned, and all the presidents that have ever been elected, put together, have not impacted life on this planet as much as one man named Jesus. Amen. And the thing I want to point out today is his approach to influencing the world is not the approach that most would assume. I mean, most of us assume that becoming a difference maker is much more complex than it really is. And as you look through the scriptures, there's a simple common theme of how Jesus accomplished doing that. Uh, as you read the four gospels, you see it all throughout Matthew and Mark and Luke and John. In Matthew chapter 14, there's a story of how Jesus was, uh, the setting, he was out on a boat because um, he was there because he just heard that John the Baptist, one of his closest friends, um, was martyred and he was grieving and he's like, he'd been with crowds uh, day in, day out, and he needed to get away. So the purpose of that day was just to get away from the crowds and get alone to experience some solitude. And in verse 14, uh, it picks up the story as he arrives back on shore. And it says, when Jesus landed and saw a large crowd, he had compassion on them and healed their sick. Now you're gonna see these three phrases over and over throughout scripture if you'll, if you'll look closely. He saw, he felt, and he acted. He saw, he felt, he saw the needs of the individuals in the crowd, 
He felt compassion and he acted on that. His compassion caused him to do something about it. And so we see this reoccurring all throughout the gospels. Uh, he saw the needs of the people, he felt compassion for them, and he didn't just stop there, he acted on it. He did something about it. He, he loved the unlovable, he, he healed the broken, he cared for the sick, he, he gave hope to the hopeless, and he set the captives free, on and on and on. In Luke chapter seven, check it out, same thing, same theme, same three phrases. He's with different people, different setting. Verse 11 says, soon afterward, Jesus went with his disciples to the village of Nain and a large crowd followed him. He's always in these large crowds. And a funeral procession was coming out as he approached the village gate. The young man who had died was a widow's only son and a large crowd from the village was with her and when the Lord saw, there's that word, when the Lord saw her, the mom, his heart overflowed with compassion. Don't cry. And then he acted, he did something about it. He walked over to the coffin, he touched it, and the bear stopped. Young man, he said, I tell you, get up. And the dead boy sat up and began to talk, and Jesus gave him back to his mother. Great fear swept the crowd. And they praise God saying, a mighty prophet has risen among us and God has visited his people today. So again, how did Jesus make a difference? He saw, he felt, and he acted. He saw the grieving mother who had lost her son. His heart, the Bible says, his heart overflowed with compassion. So he felt, and then he walked over to the dead body and brought the boy back to life. So he saw the needs of, of the people and then the individual. He felt compassion and he acted. His compassion caused him to do something about it. So I'd like for us to spend the remaining of our time together this morning taking a closer look at these three phrases. He saw, he felt, and he acted. And learn how you and I can make more of a difference in the world that we live, because that's our heart, right? How did Jesus make a difference? Well. It's amazing to me how even when he was in a large crowd, he had this way of zooming in and focusing on one. When you take a picture on your phone, it's easy to uh, get your phone out and zoom in whatever you wanna bring into focus, making that one thing crystal clear, right? And as you read the Gospels, you can't help but notice how Jesus has this built-in Zoom as well, you know, this Zoom lens. And so he just kind of focuses in on one person at a time, even though he's in a huge, large crowd of people uh, day after day, he had this ability to be able to Zoom in on the one. This is the way of Jesus. You wanna make a difference? If you're following along in your outline, pull out your phone app. Number one, focus on one person at a time. He saw one person at a time. He zoomed in, he focused on one person, that one person who's in front of you. That's the key, that's the secret of the way of Jesus, one at a time. You know, when someone stood in front of Jesus, time stopped. 
everything else in his life, all his concerns, his agenda, his plans, uh, his other goals for the day just seemed to blur and disappear. The only thing that mattered was that person, that individual standing right in front of him. The way Jesus made a difference in this world is one person at a time. He focused on the one. So to make a difference, the goal for you and I is to focus on that one person that God puts in front of us wherever we are in our day. Three o'clock tomorrow, wherever you are, focus on that one person that God put right in front of you that day. Jesus' approach was simple. Most of his time was spent just loving one person at a time. So many of the stories of the gospel as we read about Jesus, he's meeting, uh, he's meeting one need at a time. There's a story in Luke chapter eight of a woman who's in another, a huge crowd of people. And this, this lady, she'd lost all hope. Bible says she'd suffered for 12 years with constant bleeding, but couldn't find a cure. And scripture says, coming up behind Jesus in this huge crowd, she touched the fringe of his robe and immediately her bleeding stopped. And Jesus immediately stopped and asked, who touched me? And the disciples are cracking up. They're like, look, Jesus, there's a crowd. They're crushing you, you know? I mean, it's a mob. And you ask, who's touching me? And even in the Gospel of Mark, it tells the same story and lets us know the disciples ask Jesus in disbelief. Can't you see all the people crowding against you, you know, that's suffocating? And you ask, who touched me? And then in verse 47, check it out. It tells us the secret of Jesus' way of making a difference. It says, then the woman, seeing that she could not go unnoticed. She, she could not go unnoticed. Here's this woman in this huge crowd of an unidentified people, but she realizes that Jesus wasn't going to let her go unnoticed. She realized that Jesus wasn't gonna let her go unseen. He saw her. <laughs> you wanna make a difference in the one life that God has given you? You wanna be a difference maker? Make sure that you see everyone that God puts in front of you and make sure that you see the unnoticed. Even when you're in a crowd, find the one person who should not go unnoticed. Always focus on loving that one person in front of you with the love of Jesus, one at a time. Jesus saw and he felt. And there's a word all through the scriptures, uh, the stories that unlock the secret of Jesus being able to see one person at a time. Uh, scriptures describe Jesus experiencing this feeling uh, every time you see the word see. Uh, you know what the word is? Compassion. Compassion. Luke 8 says, when Jesus saw the woman's need, his heart overflowed with compassion. Matthew 14, when Jesus saw the needs of the people within that huge crowd, he had compassion. 
Compassion is how you and I see one person at a time. What is compassion? What does is, what is even that compassion, the word mean? You know, a lot of folks think that compassion is more just about sympathy. Like, hey, I feel sorry for that person. But a lot of times it doesn't go any further than that. If you're taking notes, we need to understand the biblical definition here. True compassion demands action. True compassion demands action. In fact, the Greek word that translated as comp- compassion is the word splagnizomai. Splagnizomai. I, I practiced it all week, so I'm going to say it again. <laughs> splagnizomai. And so, which means, it actually means, you know, when you have that feeling in your stomach where it's just kind of churning and, well, it's not a pretty thing. And sometimes you run to the bathroom, you know. You feel something deep within your stomach. You feel deep sympathy. And it means even more than that. It means that it means to be moved to action. In other words, it's not just an emotion, that word compassion. Compassion is an action. And this morning, uh, the thing that I want to get across is that it elicits a physical response. True compassion demands action in a biblical sense. Christ-like compassion always leads us to take action. How does a person become more compassionate? How do we grow in our compassion? Well, I've got three ways here. The first two are prayers. Number one, ask God to help. Ask God to help you focus on seeing the unnoticed in the crowd and pray that prayer. As you're in walking in a room with people, whoever you're with, Pray with your eyes wide open. That's going to be weird for you, maybe, uh, if you've never done that, but begin to pray with your eyes wide open. In an interview with Mother Teresa, they asked her what she did in the morning. Her answer, of course, was pray. And the interviewer next asked what Mother Teresa did after she prayed. And she said, quote, well, we, we try to pray through our work by doing it with Jesus, for Jesus, and to Jesus. Now, did you catch it? After she prayed, she kept praying, right? Mother Teresa was also asked what special qualities allowed her to make such a massive impact. This is her response. Quote, well, I don't claim anything of the work. It's his work. I'm the little pencil in his hand. That is all. He does the thinking, he does the writing. The pencil has nothing to do with, with, uh, do with it. The pencil has only to be allowed to be used. <laughs> Here's the prayer. Jesus, as you're, as you're walking in the room or you're in the room with people, you're praying, Jesus, give me your eyes. You're praying it with your eyes open. Help me to see people the way you see them. Help me to see the unnoticed. And the more you do it, the more you'll begin to see those around you who may have gone unnoticed. 
If you, again, if you do the study of the word compassion in the Gospels, you'll find most often connected to this word saw. Jesus saw the crowds, he had compassion. And that word saw is not like a quick glance. It's not like I'm on my phone and then I see somebody and then I go back to my phone. No. It's seeing people with Jesus' eyes. You're here on a mission. And your heart is full of compassion of meeting needs in the, in the person in front of you. And that takes time and it takes intentionality. And it takes praying. There's a second prayer that we can pray on a regular basis, number two, and that is to ask God to help you to see interruptions as an opportunity and not as an inconvenience. When I, and don't we often see interruptions as an inconvenience? Isn't that just normal? Have you ever counted how many interruptions you typically have with, throughout a day? It adds up, right? It's easy to view those interruptions as a huge inconvenience, thinking this is keeping me from doing and getting done what I need to get done. But Jesus treated interruptions a whole lot different than us, than many of us. If you think through most of all the stories of Jesus in the four gospels, you'll notice that he is always on his way somewhere to do something, to meet a need, trying to get from point A to point B. So he's on a mission, but then he gets interrupted by somebody wanting something or needing something. So most of his days are filled with one interruption after another. And yet he saw these interruptions not as an inconvenience, but as opportunities. That's his ministry. I'm here to meet needs. Yeah, I'm trying to get from point A to point B, but on the way, there's more getting done than by the time I get to point B. And so he saw these interruptions as great ministry opportunities, and he was continually stopping whatever he was doing to help that next person who interrupts his day <laughs> to help him with a need. And he didn't think of it as an interruption at all. So I guess the caution here for all of us is to be careful not about how we view interruptions in our day. It may be that God has just sent you a great opportunity to meet a need to make a difference. That interruption may be a divine opportunity that God has given you to purposely, he sent your way to make a difference in somebody's life, a need that needs to be met, an opportunity to love with the love of Jesus, an opportunity to be the hands and feet of Jesus. Number three, third way that we can grow in our compassion is to ask ourselves a very simple question on a regular basis, and that question is this, what would it be like as you're praying with your eyes open? What would it be like to be like that for that person? And you may, you may be very different than that person that God put in front of you at that moment. Your beliefs may be a whole lot different than their beliefs. Your political stance may be completely opposite. But just stop, take your eyes off yourself and ask yourself this, what would it be like? What would it be like to deal with that disability? What would it be like to have that struggle? What would it be like 
to have grown up the way they grew up? Why would it be like to get that unemployment notice? And what would it be like to have the pressure of those bills coming in like they have? Just stop for a moment and ask, what would it be like? And compassion, you'll see this, compassion will start to grow. This is a discipline. How did Jesus make a difference? He saw, and you, want to, you and I, if we're gonna become difference makers, we gotta to learn to focus on the one person that he's put in front of us wherever we are in our day, that one person right in front of us. He saw, he felt. You wanna be a difference maker? Then know that the true compassion, true compassion demands action. You gotta do something about it. He saw, he felt, and he acted. Again, I have no doubt that most every one of you within my listening voice today, whether it be here or online, you want to be people who make a difference. You want to be difference makers by meeting the needs of other people. But I think... A lot of times, if we're really honest with ourselves, we have to say, a lot of the needs that I see don't seem all that important to me. You know, maybe you like to read and you read great stories about how someone did something big to help change the world, you know? And you think, man, that was amazing how God used their life. And then you're like, someday I'm gonna, have a, I'm gonna have an opportunity to make a difference when I get a chance to do something big that God wants me to do. And so there's a lot of needs that are all around us throughout our days that may not seem that important to us. And, I, and my caution here again is be careful. In other words, It may seem pretty insignificantly small to you, but we better leave that to God, right? Don't miss it. Number three, small things done with great love will change the world. Small things done with great love will change the world. This statement, uh, I, I love it. It's commonly attributed again to Mother Teresa. God hasn't called us to do great things. He's called us to do small things with great love. The way that you and I go about making a difference in the world that we live is by meeting one little need at a time, one smile, one word, one hug, one word of encouragement, one prayer at a time. And you know what? If enough of God's people do that, called church with a big C, (laughs) we're gonna make a big difference in the world that we live. Most people have no idea of the impact of a small thing, a small thing's done with great love. Kyle Eidemann concludes his book with a chapter titled, The End in Mind. It's very short, but it's one of my favorite in the book. It's called The End in Mind. And he says, imagine what heaven will be like. Imagine all the people who are going to come up to you. And we don't think about this. We're thinking, 
Oh, I do maybe little small things every once in a while that help people out, but I don't think about the impact that it has on their life. And you're not going to until many times, you're not gonna know until we get to heaven what, what an impact it was. So imagine all the people who are coming up to you in heaven, Eidelman says, when you get to heaven and say, thank you. Thank you for caring. Thank you for seeing me. Thank you for being moved and compassion. Remember the time you did so-and-so for me? It may, it may have seemed insignificant to you, but it meant the world to me. Let me read to you some out of the chapter. You feel a tap on your shoulder. You turn around and face a young lady you don't recognize. She says, I just had to come over and say thank you. You're not sure what she's even talking about. Maybe she's confusing you with someone else. And you ask, do I, do I know you? And she continues, well, we met once. My life was a complete mess. I was desperate, I didn't believe in God, but I couldn't think of anything else to do, so I went to church. I was nervous walking in, because I didn't go to church. I was getting ready to turn around and leave. When you saw me, there's that word again, you saw me and came over to me with a big smile on your face, and you asked me, hey, you wanna sit with me during the service? You invited me to come back the next Sunday. And I told you, well, I'll think about it. Well, I didn't come back that next week, but a few months later when my mom passed away, I decided to go back to church. And Jesus Christ changed my life. Anyway, I just wanted to say thank you. Thank you for seeing me. I came back because you made me feel safe and welcome. And then she gives you a big hug and you walk off in tears. There you are in heaven and it just keeps happening time and time again. Somebody walking up saying thank you for what you did for me. A childhood classmate thanks you for seeing her sitting alone at the lunch table and coming to sit by her. She noticed that you bowed your head for prayer. You're the first Christian she'd ever met. Someone else in heaven comes up to introduce himself to you. He was a young boy from Guatemala you sponsored all those years. A server you regularly had at the restaurant, Cracker Barrel, wherever, comes up to say thank you for the way you always took time to ask her about her day and left a generous tip. She asked you if you remember asking her one day if there was anything you could pray about for her. And she tells you how God used that moment to let her know that he saw her. He saw her. There in heaven, you begin hearing story after story, how a text that you'd sent, how a conversation that you had, how a hug that you provided, or an offering that you gave impacted people in ways that you never ever even realized. How often 
We have no idea, folks, the impact of a small thing done with great love. But one day in heaven we will. Amen? Amen. In the meantime, what a sacred privilege you and I have as Christ followers. We have to love people one at a time with the love of Jesus. Amen. Amen. Would you bow your head with me for prayer? God, thank you. Thank you so much for giving us the mission, the mission that you came with. You said, I'm giving to you. That every Christ follower here, we're living on that same mission to make a difference in the world that we live. God, help us to see people with your eyes. Help us to see the one, to focus on the one that you put in front of us. That one person, may our eyes as we are praying zoom right in on them. And God, I pray that we'd be moved with compassion to love that person with the love of Jesus to meet a need, to pray with someone, to serve someone, to encourage someone, to show compassion, to lead them to you, Lord, and to love them with the love of Jesus. This morning, I just wanna make sure before we leave here that all of us have had a chance to do that God wants to do that for you. I, I realize we're, the challenge this morning is for us to meet the needs of other people, but some of you sitting here today, you have needs yourself. And as a church, we want to love and we want to care for one another. So here in a moment, we're gonna dismiss, but as we do, I just wanna, remind you of what Ethan reminded you, there's gonna be elders in each corner of these back rooms as you leave. In the wellspring room and the cry room in the corner. An elder is gonna be there if you'd like a need to be prayed over. God will meet you there in your need. Also, I know this morning that Maybe some of you are here and you just feel very far from God and maybe you've never, you've never made a connection. You, know, you don't have a relationship with, with God through Jesus Christ. But today you're like, I would want that. I want that more than anything else. I'm tired of living my life my way. I'm tired of trying to do this on my own, not getting anywhere. Today, I want to make a connection with my heavenly Father. And I want to know without a doubt that I'm in a right relationship with him and going to spend all of eternity in heaven with him. If you'd like to do that, you can pray this simple prayer. And he sees you. And he'll meet you right where you're at. You just pray this with a sincere heart. Heavenly Father, forgive me of my sins. God, I want you to save me. Give me a new heart. Give me a new life.
Fill me with your spirit. God, I ask you to empty me of me and fill me with your spirit. I want to follow you. I'm tired of following my own way. I want to live for you. Today, I follow you. The best I know how the rest of my days. My life is not my own. I give it to you. Forgive me of my sins. Come in. Renew my life. Give me a new heart. You have my life. In Jesus' name. And all God's people said, amen. amen. Can we do a big celebration? If you prayed that prayer today, if you said yes to God, I want to encourage you to go to the yes table. And we've got a packet there to help you to grow. If you said yes to God online today, just go right next. There's a box that's checked off. Said yes, me too. And we'll send you a new believer's Bible and want to help you to grow as well. Um, Again, if you're new here today and you have not met the pastors, we're going to be in the cafe. We would love and be honored just to, to meet you. And our elders are going to be in these uh, two corner rooms back here if you have a need you'd like to pray for. I love you. God bless you. Have a wonderful week.